Congrats on that short documentary. That was cool. Oh, thanks. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I literally made it last year for a uh, like a film class and never like posted. I just, you know, got a grade on it, but I never like put it on the internet. So I was like, why not? I'm just like posted just so like viewers of the or um, patrons of the restaurant can watch it or whatever. Um, like my family and stuff. So yeah, I've gotten good a good response from it. Were you like was that just like the biggest sense of accomplishment? Like, yo, I just made a documentary. I just, I did this. I did it. You know, is that just like the most accomplishing feeling? Yes, it was awesome. It was like our, our final project. And I remember I was struggling because we could, like, I don't own those ca- that camera equipment and like those mics or anything. Like I had to rent them out for my school and you could only rent them out for like a certain amount of days at a time. And the restaurant's like across the city from where I live. So like, it was just a lot like hauling that equipment back and forth. Um, oh my so I kind of wanted to film. I wanted to film more of like the restaurant ambiance, but I kind of just got a lot of interviews, which ended up being like the bulk of my of the film. But I kind of liked it because they were like sweet. And I feel like they they it was very authentic to to them. So I, I totally thought that was your brother. And so I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is like, is there some like hers, mine and ours situation here? Because he was mentioning his mom. And then she was like, yeah, yeah working no, no. here with my son. I was like, wait. Am I missing something? Yeah. <laughs> and then I went back to your story and you're like, my brother-in-law. I'm like, oh, duh. He does have a great yeah. mustache. I will give him that. I know. That was like, he doesn't have it anymore. That, and he has like really long hair now. That was like a year ago. So. Well, I definitely want to check out. So it's a it's a vegan restaurant in Philadelphia. Yes. Okay. Is it all about fries? Is that like the main thing? Because it's, you know, Fritz on 4th, right? Is that what it's called? It's Fitz on 4th. So it's on Fitzwater. Fitzwater and 4th Street. That's why it's called that. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. And then it, it's actually funny because the mom, her name is Allison Fitzpatrick. So it's I like- I saw that. That's what know. I thought it was associated with, but that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it kind of just worked out that way. Okay. So here, give me a poll here. Bradley Cooper's cheesesteaks or your <laughs> brother-in-law's restaurant? You got to get. You gotta pick one and you, you can never try the other one ever again. <laughs> gotta go with my family come on i'm not gonna throw them are you saying that are you being political are you saying that just because you know they might be listening no i love their food it's actually really good food i promise like i really love it i will say to your mom if she ever starts a business or anything that's number one on my books she has my support yep nothing else (laughs) she's she's been too supportive of this podcast for me not to show that support when i go to philly it's so funny every time i mention like oh i want to go to philadelphia I have people who are like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, why not? Like, I, I like football and I feel like it's a fun city. It's lively. It's on the East Coast. Like, I want to go, you know, try whatever they have over there. And they're like, I don't know. It's a little sketchy. And I'm like, what? Like, is it so sketchier like than New York? City. Like, you know, I've been in New York plenty of times. I've stayed in the Bronx. Like, that's not the happiest place to stay, but it's been great. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think people are a little... People get a little like sensitive about like nice areas. Like, like yo, not every yes. place is going to be Canada. Like you can't expect that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love it. It's a great city. Yo, how's how's your so you're you're now back. So have you been like busting your ass with movies or is this like you're still trying to catch up? Um, I've definitely I haven't the problem with okay, love Philly. The problem though is that there's not a lot of theaters. There's like maybe four and they the ones that are like show the films that aren't like big blockbusters are like across the city from me. So I don't I can't just like walk into the movie theater or like, you know, drive 10 minutes to the movie theater. Like it's it's 
been kind of annoying and obviously i just started school again so i watched killers of the flower moon yo um do you want to share your thoughts or do you want to wait like i'm, I'm curious to hear what you think i mean i'm sure we'll talk about it when we get into um the nominations but I enjoyed it. I started at like 6 p.m. So I could watch the whole thing in one night because I knew it was going to be a long one. Three <laughs> trips to I the do... bathroom later and you you finished it. Literally. <laughs> Literally. I did have to take some breaks. Like, yeah, I think watching it in a theater would have been a lot for me because it was it was quite long. But I actually really enjoyed it. I thought Lily Gladstone was for sure the best performance in it. And, and I literally giggled when Martin Scorsese made a cameo at the end. That was so, the funniest part. Can it, here's my, here's, okay, we haven't done hot takes often on this podcast. I did it a ton on the, without a mic, but I just feel like I have to say, because, you know, I'm in the minority here about Martin Scorsese, but the man just has troubles ending his film. Like, I liked it. It was fine. Like, it was, it was a good way yeah. to like, you know, he read the obituary, you know, spoilers but not a spoiler because this was like early 1900s but yeah it's um, history yeah he like reads the obituary and that's like a really powerful thing but the whole makeup of it is so dysfunctional to what the film was that i'm like wait we're like is this modern day this is like a radio show wait okay where are we going it was just like a really weird transition from what they did yeah so martin scorsese marty no i know i i agree with that i was very like I was having trouble watching it because it is obviously very heavy stuff and it was it's just such a depressing piece of our American history and like yes it's sad that I feel like this movie probably did educate so many people because I didn't know so much of this stuff and this was probably happening you know this is a a small story about one family that was a true story but like it was probably happening in multiple towns across you know the um, the land like at that time so See, this is my most desirable state of, we might've talked about this. I know I've said this on the podcast before, but like, I love learning about early 1900s, like America, or just like early 1900s, like just trying to figure out, give me the dark history because it's terrible, but like, I need to know. And if I need to know, then there's millions of other people that need to know. And exactly. Good on him for reshaping the story. I know it was going to be a little bit of a misogynistic storyline, and he he changed that around to actually yeah. pay tribute to the Osage community in a very dark way. But he did pay tribute. So heavy film. Okay, so that's one that you you got off your list. Did you see Poor Things yet? No, I didn't. Which is so. Which I was like, oh, I was upset because I wanted to see it before we did this, obviously. But I feel like I I obviously have read so much discourse online and I understand the overall like effect this movie has had on audiences so I feel like I I have an educated guess of like how to talk about it I think this makes the conversation even more enticing because you are coming in very much with a heavy film background but like so busy traveling and being out of the country and having school that you haven't been able to dive into some of the films you know that are going to be on this list but knowing the conversations yeah. around them and and the filmmakers and the acting talent, I'm so fascinated to hear what you'll say because, you know, with the fact, and I'll I'll give this you know kind of uh, intro to what we're going to do, you know, by doing the Oscar nominations and sharing not only who we believe will win, like who we believe the Academy will choose, but also our own picks, like who we want to win. Yeah. We personally, we're just like this should happen. I'm I'm curious to see if there will be some different answers and some very 
you know, I don't know, shocking opinions. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, anything else? Anything else going on in your life that, you know, I'm, I've missed out? It's only been like two weeks, which is nice. We were, we were back on the pod earlier than I thought. I know. It's great. Um, not much. Just back at school. I... Oh, I'm definitely, I'm already planning. I'm hosting an Oscars watch party. So I'm excited about that. Let's go. With all my friends. Um, so can't wait. But obviously that's a few months away. But yeah, hanging out with my niece because my sister had a baby a few months ago. And she's the cutest ever. Congrats Thanks. to your sister. Um, she's upstairs right now. So <laughs> <laughs> You are currently sitting in a closet for anybody who's listening. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I have seen seven of the 10 Best Picture nominees. So I feel like that's, oh, hell that's yeah. some that's, good progress. Yeah, you're yeah. good. You're that's good. That's pretty Don't good, I feel like. <laughs> there is one film on that list I have not seen yet. And I've heard plenty about. I've dived into it. I don't know. I try not to know what the storyline is, but I know is at least people's- Is this on interest? Yeah, yeah, I have not seen Zone of Interest. Um, a lot to talk about with that film because it seems to be a little bit polarizing on like how it's gotten so much love because yeah. it does it does it just doesn't seem like a cinematic piece of storytelling. It almost seems like walking into an art gallery and watching a movie. That's what it feels like. So I don't know. Yeah, I haven't totally. seen it, but that's what I've been reading up on and and just hearing about. Um, on that note, though, I do have some films that are critically acclaimed that got zero nominations. Can I can I list these out for you? Yes. Let's hear and it. I'll go through these and then afterward, let me know, because I'll share my thoughts as well, but let me know if there are any that kind of tug at you where you're like, whoa, that one definitely should have received something. Okay. We have 1001, which I will say, did you see this one? No. Okay. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It got a lot of hype when it first came out. It was good, definitely kind of Oscar-driven. We have the Iron Claw. I think this is probably the biggest movie on this list of people. This is a this is a crowd movie. Like this is an audience film and not a critic or a, an, an Oscars film, I should say. Did you get the chance to visit this one? I haven't seen this one because this is also in theaters uh, only. But that's it's like number one on my list besides Poor Things to see because everyone's freaking out at, at Zac Efron. Yeah, I mean his best performance, and I think. He should have gotten some recognition. Even Holt McCallany, who plays his dad, who's also in Mindhunter, for anybody who's a David Fincher fan, he's really good. Uh, Priscilla, you know, no love to Jacob Elordi or Kaylee Spaney. Yeah. I said this in my video I made. Like, they literally recreated Graceland. They built a Graceland yeah. because um, the Elvis estate wouldn't allow them to use Graceland. So I think that's incredible, and they didn't get any love for it. It's a beautiful film. Um, Dream Scenario with Nicolas Cage, which might be the funniest movie of 2023 and one of the best performances from his career because he's just so outrageous. Um, number one movie on my watch list is All of Us Strangers. This one got so much hype before the Oscar nominations and nothing for Andrew Scott, nothing for Paul Meskel. Um, I heard it's very emotional, very, very emotional. Another one on my watch list, which I I just think this movie came out too late. It's not even out worldwide yet, is Origin. Um, this is the film by, why am I forgetting her name? Um, Duvernay. Ava. What's her first name? Why yeah. am I forgetting that? Ava. Yeah, Ava Duvernay. Um, this just looks very like sentimental, very powerful. I heard it kind of redefines cinema, it redefines storytelling, 
And, you know, you put in John Bernthal, who I also very much enjoy in dramatic sequences. Like, he's just really good. Memory? I don't, have you heard much about Memory with Jessica Chastain? Jessica Chastain. Uh, yes, I'd heard about it because she, I follow her on Instagram. She posts a lot about it, but I didn't realize that came out yet. I thought it was just at festivals. Same. Like, I think there's so many of these movies that are on this list of being acclaimed and not receiving a single Oscar nomination that just haven't been released or they haven't been marketed well or they haven't had a campaign. Like the Iron Claw, to my understanding, A24 just didn't submit it. Like it just wasn't submitted by A24. And so everybody's like, why isn't it getting any hype? It's like, well, A24 is to blame for that one. It's so fascinating. I feel like we'll talk about this more. Like the fact that these nominations more and more every year in like the age that we're in depend upon a campaign yes surrounding either a film or the person or the like written work etc and we're also depending on people watching it like they're yes I, I i didn't grab a name for this individual but one of the voters for the academy mentioned how difficult it was for them to finish maestro they said that like they were having a hard time what going through all the movies that they were watching for voting purposes and finishing maestro and i'm sure it's the same with killers of the flower moon and napoleon yeah and these other films that are just a little, they're a little heavy. You know, they're a little bit difficult to watch. I mean, Maestro for me was not difficult to watch, but for some people it is. Um, Asteroid City, no love there, no production design, no love with acting. Jason Schwartzman was good, even though I have no idea what he does because that movie is so complicated. But I, <laughs> I'm Wes Anderson, I, I don't, I don't get him. I just, I don't, I'm trying to get him. I really am like, his earlier work just seems to be like the thing. And now it feels like he's trying to like, he's trying to be so ambiguous. He's trying to just say, huh, yeah. you don't get it, but I do. Like, I, I don't know. How, what, what's your thought on Wes Anderson? I agree with you now. Like, honestly, I saw Asteroid City and I saw it at Cannes. It was, it was so cool to be there. But honestly, the movie was like the least interesting part about the experience. <laughs> like, I feel like I wasn't, I was like, I was like falling asleep. Like, I genuinely. And... I do like Grand Budapest like he matches style and substance in that film so well same with Fantastic Mr. Fox like I feel like that era of Wes Anderson is what people think about and which is great because he should be remembered for those movies and I feel like now he's just kind of getting you're right like it's more style over substance now which I think is like a balance that I don't particularly find like entertaining yeah I there's and I feel like most people feel the same. They don't want to admit it because it's Wes Anderson and you're like, oh, I don't want to talk bad about Wes because he's such a an acclaimed filmmaker. And honestly, this isn't talking bad about his work. It's just more so saying, make it a little bit more like palatable. Like make it just make it so I can taste your film and like understand what you're talking about rather than just shoving this really unique art in my face that looks great and the transitions are so addictive, but just as, I don't know, it's a lot. I will say, spoiler, teaser maybe, he is definitely winning an Oscar in my mind, just not for this film. So, um, Asteroid City, Eileen. Did you see Eileen? This is a small, small film. This is Anne Hathaway, right? I mm-hmm. did not, but I saw the ads for it. She was also pushing this. I like remember seeing some press, but not much marketing at all. Yeah, very, I mean, very slow build. Thomas McKenzie is such a good actor, but she's kind of stuck in this one role of this like really shy quiet like kind of just like nimble girl and i feel like she just she needs to like 
give me some more like last night in Soho. You know, she's a little bit more of a powerhouse yes. there. She gives a little bit more personality. This one is very dry until the very end, and then it has a great, great twist. So I, I it seemed like an Oscar film, but it didn't get much love. Ferrari, Michael Mann, Adam Driver doing two Italian roles, like what seems to be back to back after House of Gucci. What what are your thoughts on Michael Mann as a filmmaker? Do you have any any opinions about him? I mean, I only really know Heat. I don't I don't know much of Michael say, Mann's work. I really I really only know Heat too. <laughs> like, that's really the only thing I know as well. Honestly, like I'm let me look. Yeah, I'm looking at his like filmography. I think I'm. I think I saw Thief too, but like this must have been early on. Um. I don't know a lot about. I feel like he he's ha- the same. Like he had a lot of hits in like the '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, and obviously those directors want to you know keep the ball rolling, but I think it can be tough to like beat that in a way. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't mean, hear he great is... things about Ferrari. I feel like it was mixed reviews. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Adam Driver gave his famous response to a very it's a valid question you know the audience member asked him at a screening like hey what did you think about the cgi scenes there they seem a little cheesy which absolutely the cgi scenes are pretty terrible in this movie and adam driver said uh i don't know fuck you and i'm like okay that's you know you you can get upset about the movie but like understand that's a that's actually like that's Adam Driver. I love Adam Driver so much. I love him. He is really good. Like, Adam Driver, he's I, incredible. I feel like he, he's kind of just like on his own path. He's like, I don't even care about warts. I mean, he did a film called 65 in 2023. Did anybody watch 65? I did. But did anybody else watch 65? He did. He did. Yeah, the dinosaur movie. God, that was terrible. But that's okay. That's okay. We We live on. You know, Marriage Story was his, like, chance recently for, like, those awards. Because he was nominated for that. But since then, not exactly. I just think it's his choice in, like, who he works with. Because I, in my opinion, I think Adam Driver can be in any movie he wants to be in. But I think he's deliberately saying, I want to work with Michael Mann. And now he's going to be in Francis Ford Coppola's movie, Megalopolis, which might be the biggest flop of all time or the biggest success since Godfather. So, like... I don't know, you know, and Michael Mann, you know, going back to him, like there's a film called The Last of the Mohicans, which, or The Mohicans, Is it? Um, that I have not seen, but I've heard really good things. But once again, to your point, 1992, that was right over, what is that now? 30 years ago. 30 years? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Michael Mann. But still a good filmmaker. I just think Ferrari misses quite a bit and it turns into a little bit more of a, I don't know, like a a drama of husband and wife arguing rather than it does about him becoming the man he is, which is kind of weird. Um, Fair Play. Did you see this on Netflix? This is a good yes. one. I, I like this film. I liked this movie a lot. I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, nothing for um, Chloe DeMont. This film actually premiered at Sundance. I did not know that. Um, nothing for her. Nothing for the two lead actors who did really good. Uh, Phoebe, I don't know. I never know how Denver. to pronounce her name. Denver, okay, and then Alden Ehrenreich, both coming from massive IPs. You know, one who played Han Solo, and then one obviously Bridgerton. Everybody knows her from Bridgerton, and they just like I they separate themselves. Like I don't think of them from their previous roles in this film. They do a good job. I like that one. 
And he's in Oppenheimer, too. He is. He's good in Oppenheimer. I liked his role a yeah, lot. Yeah, he is. I'm trying to think of the conversations that Chris Nolan has. Like, hey, Emily Blunt, because this is what Emily Blunt at least told. She she went on a podcast and she was like, yeah, you get the call. And Chris is just so upfront. And he's just like, this is not a big part, but it's going to be a good part. <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> like, he can get whoever he wants. He could, he could go up to Daniel Day-Lewis and say, hey. So you're going to get out of retirement because I have a role. You're yeah. going to be in the film for two minutes, but it's it's going to be a good role. And I just feel like you would do it. Um, Insane. The, the Killer. Did you? This is a polarizing I film. never watched this. It is polarizing. I never watched it, but I remember there was a, a lot of controversy when it came out. Also, there's controversy around um, who's the lead actor. Why am I forgetting his name? Oh, Michael Fassbender? Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I don't know. I feel What's like the controversy now I'm intrigued I don't know no 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 I don't know exactly it probably is just like Twitter discourse but did you see this I did yeah I this is one of the very few films I do my best not to feel pressured I felt pressured to like this movie because it's a David Fincher yeah, film David Fincher, with Michael Fassbender and it's like this comedic off-tone hitman thriller type deal but you know what I think doesn't work is it's completely told with voiceover there's like no dialogue with the actual characters it's all voiceover and it just doesn't work it's very much meant to be a, a netflix film um air i think this one's kind of tough you like air this is one of your favorite films i do i loved air <laughs> i really loved it which if you know me is like quite un uncharacteristic of me to like but i really loved it and kind of bummed that it got nothing i thought but screenplay maybe so early yeah, screenplay was great. And um, it, I think, I forget who wrote the screenplay, but he's like a younger, younger writer. But anyway, this just came out so early. It feels like it came out two years ago. So I kind of understand. Yeah, this script, to my understanding, was found, I, I forgot what they call it. It's like the blacklist where it's just like- The blacklist. The, it was on the blacklist, yes. Yeah, it was just like an unknown writer who essentially had this script and Ben Affleck picked it up, which is so cool. Incredible. Like, so uh, just cool. a really cool concept but i always root for, for for people like that same yeah i mean because that's us to a certain degree right? I know. it's like <laughs> trying to trying to figure out okay how do i get this scene how do i get this looked at you know talking to that uh that representative tamar from from paramount i was like okay what do i say to like get my foot in the door and you know what she was so kind when she put her contact in my phone she put her email she put her phone number so that way I'm like, and she even put like Paramount pictures in her like description. So I just didn't forget. I was like, that was really nice of her. So, well, who knows? Maybe I'll be at Paramount. That's, that's the goal. So, uh, Blackberry, nothing, Saltburn, nothing, um, Bo's Afraid, nothing. I, not, I didn't expect anything for that one, but, uh, Saltburn, did that surprise you or did you think, nah, this is exactly what it should have been? I don't think it necessarily surprises me. That felt very much like a fun movie in my eyes. Very entertainment, like, audience-based. I do think Barry Keoghan was nominated for the Golden Globe, which makes sense. I don't think he was in the conversation enough to be up for lead actor. I have plenty of thoughts on le on snubs for all these categories, quite honestly. But I know. <laughs> He is not one of them, in my opinion, but to your point, yeah. I think he's really good. He is the driving force in this film. It looks super, super good. In my mind, Like if they were going to get any nomination, it was going to be on their cinematography. Who, who does yes. this movie? They do. They did something else. 
hold on, I gotta look this up. This is me being annoying, just tedious about no, please this film. Also, saw Emerald Fennel like oh, what she looks like for the first time yesterday. Never knew what she looked like until I looked up a photo to put you her in my it? TikTok video. Yeah, never, just never knew. I was like, oh, this is Emerald Fennel. Nice, okay, dope. That's oh, so funny. Yeah, this is okay. So this is Linus Sandgren who did Babylon, La La Land, No Time. He, yeah. So he works with um, Damien Chazelle, and I, who is just big heart, big heart for Damien Chazelle. We we got we got big ups on Damien Chazelle here. Damien Chazelle. Yeah, I give you I give you full consent. Whatever you want, Damien Chazelle. You you do what you want. Okay, because you you have my permission. We're like Damien Chazelle apologists, like forever. (laughs) We really are. (laughs) I I need to revisit First Man because that just does not feel like a Damien Chazelle film. But I remember liking it when I first saw it. But I just like wait. Now that I know Damien Chazelle, I mean I don't know him, but now that I understand him a little bit more. Is that his type of film that just doesn't feel like him? I know. Is he making something soon? I mean, I know. I hope so. Did you hear the news about Paul Thomas Anderson? No. Paul Thomas Anderson is making a new film with Leonardo DiCaprio leading. First time they've ever worked together. And I am so fucking here for it. That's that's exciting. That's very exciting. Uh. Damien Chazelle has nothing on his his docket. Nothing that's up. Oh, wait. The claim he has a writing. Okay, okay. This is going to be directed by Erickson Core, who I've never heard of in my entire life. Oh, don't worry. Just the cinematographer for the Fast and Furious. Nice. Okay. Sick. Okay. Honestly, I do think. Okay, before we dive into these Oscar nominations, what transition of like position in the film industry do you feel like works out the best? Like, is it actor to director? Is it cinematographer to director? Is it producer to act? Like, what do you think kind of transitions? Because I see this a lot. Like, I see people going, obviously, acting, you know, George Clooney, um, Clint Eastwood, Aldi, Bradley Cooper. But I'm just wondering, like, cinematographers tend to do well in that case. For sure. I just don't think people knew they were cinematographers before. Or at least the, the like, general audience. Obviously, the people in the industry know. But I think in terms of publicity for films... It usually works out, and if they're good, obviously, but it works. The actor to, the actor to director is a huge, because, um, like, Emerald Fennell is also actor to director. Greta Gerwig, actor to director. Greta Gerwig is made to be an actor, in my opinion. Like, she's so, so genuine. Like, she's just so, she's so good. Great. She's so great. Like, White Noise, that film doesn't work, but she does. Like, her and Adam Driver, they work in that film together, and they're she's just, like... Awesome. I don't know. They got these like fake guts as these like 1980s American parents. I'm just like, that's so good. Okay. So you said actor to director. Is that what you think is, is kind I of the safe so. play? What do you think? Yeah. It's got to be between those two, but only because that's what I see most often. But like, right. Cinema, I'm trying to think of like popular cinematographers who turned directors, and I'd have to find a list. That might be a good video to make. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. We ready to do this? You ready? Yeah. All right. So we're going to go through the Oscar nominations for each category. We will list out the nominations, and then we will share not only our pick for who we believe will win, but also who we think should win, our own picks versus the Oscars. So starting with Best Picture, we have American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, 
Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Do you want to do snubs slash surprises first, or do you want to do them after our picks? Let's do them after. Okay. You are and the you guest. you have to go first. Uh, no. no you, are, you are the guest on this show. You give me your pick and and your Oscar pick. Give, actually, give me your Oscar pick first. We'll, we'll go Oscar. So you Oscar, me Oscar, and then you personal, my personal. Okay. okay. Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, I do believe Oppenheimer will win. I don't I don't think that's really this might be, in my opinion, the we'll most see, like the safest best picture uh nominations. Like I there's not really a movie that yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this missed. Like I don't feel super tugged in one direction or another. Like there is one snub-ish that I put down, but apart from that, I think this is a pretty safe ten. Or I think there's nine. Is there nine or ten? Ten. I don't know. Ten. Okay, ten. Yeah. So, is is Oppenheimer also your pick, or do you would you want something else to win here? It's my. I have like a caveat. It's my. It's for sure my pick. Um, but I do adore past lives. So we can talk about that in other categories because I think it definitely could deserve other categories. But yeah, Oppenheimer just overall fantastic. Just we've talked about it enough. It's it's gonna win, and I want it to win. I think Paul Schrader said it pretty pretty great. I don't know his quote, but he essentially said this is like the best movie of the century. And I, I don't know if that's the case, but I do think it's a monumental film. Like films like this yes. that rock the the award season as much as it has is pretty rare. Like I think, I don't know, when was the last time a, a film did this? Was like Parasite wasn't this? Oh, La La Land. I think that was like La La Land had like 14 nominations or something like that. Yeah. And Did it still didn't win. Did Everything Everywhere All At Once not have like a bunch of... No, Everything Everywhere All At Once I think had... It did win seven. So it actually might Right, have, that's a I'm, lot. Yeah, that is a lot. That's a lot of wins. Damn. Um, I do pick Oppenheimer. That is also my personal pick. So looks like we're, we're neck and neck with the Oscar pick. Do you have any snubs or surprises here? Not exactly, because everything's been in conversation. I think... The only things that I could see maybe just kind of like slipping in there, which obviously I think Oppenheimer is going to win if the Academy is the characteristic of the Academy. But the foreign language films could like especially Anatomy of a Fall could slide in there and kind of upset the the crowd. We'll see. Yeah, um, I do think all of the strangers just the amount I've seen. I, I think that that kind of sneaked its way in there. That was my one film on my snub list was All of Us Strangers. And I think only because I haven't seen The Zone of Interest, that would be the film I take off. American Fiction is very much like an Oscar type film. Anatomy of a Fall, if you haven't seen it, anybody listening to the show, once we're done with the nominations, this might be a film that should be pretty high on your watch list. I do think it is one of the best films of 2023. It is really, really good. But... Yeah. Oppenheimer, no surprises there. Uh, anything else on Best Picture? I don't think so. Cool. All right, this is where it starts getting juicy. That was literally like the safest category, in my opinion. Um, best Director. So we have Justin Trier for Anatomy of a Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. First question, before we, we dive into our picks, should they expand this to have more nominations or do you think this is good like we keep it to the one two three four five i think if you're going to keep every category 
The only tough thing with this category is best directing translates very heavily to best picture, in my opinion, because the director is literally the movie. Like they are the boss, essentially, of like the whole film and how it runs and everything. Obviously, the, the producers play a huge role, but in terms of the quality and and tone and everything about the movie and cast, everything, it's the director. So uh, that's a good question because I do agree that all the others should stay about five, like all the, you know, acting categories, etc. But it's, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Especially after this year, I'm like, hmm, I wish there was a few more spots in there. <laughs> do you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to those spots because I do have four individuals here, which I think are a little bit snubby, a little bit surprise oriented. Do you have a personal pick and an Oscar pick? It's our guy, Chris Cyrano. <laughs> you you know, you don't sound excited. You, you almost sound like you no, don't want to say that. You're him. like, oh, it's Chris for Nolan. The no, man who's I been truly... nominated five times, never won an Oscar. How crazy is that? Christopher Nolan has never won an Oscar. And that's what I'm saying. This is his year. Like, this is truly his year. This is his best movie. This is Christopher Nolan's year. I agree. I'm happy for him. I really am. He deserves it. That's my pick. That's my Oscar pick. That's my personal pick. I did list out, which is probably the hottest topic here, uh, Greta Gerwig got snubbed from this list, Celine Song, who who did Past Lives, Bradley Cooper, who did Maestro, and then even Alexander Payne. There's a lot of love for the holdovers, yeah. and Alexander Payne got left off of this list. So Jonathan Glazer is the interesting choice to me. I, I, I once again, agree. I have not seen the zone of interest, but this is getting more love than I feel like. I have seen the zone of interest. Oh, you have? Give me your thoughts. Oh, yeah, I saw it at Cannes. What? How did you? I saw it at Cannes. What? Leah, tell me about this. I feel like I definitely talked about this when we did. Anyway. This is not on your top 10, was it? No. (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. Wait, it might have been, but it was definitely. Oh, okay. Well, yes. So this movie was extremely long and it's very heavy. And I found it. Okay, so my professor who I was with on the trip, she loved it. And I understood the reason why when she explained it. Basically, the entire film is we're looking at this family who the head of the the father is the head of running Auschwitz, essentially, at the time. So they live right next to the concentration camp. So the whole film, you see this family kind of interact and then you see like the smoke and the chimneys and like the screams and it's really really unsettling and disturbing and you kind of see this father grapple with this role that he has so she kind of described it as it's what we don't want to talk about i'm trying to remember exactly but it's it's kind of like we're all living in this world and the stuff that is wrong about the world and everything that's you know horrible and humanity is like Um, problems is right next door and we're not we're ignoring it Mm, and that makes a lot of sense like that you know that kind of metaphor and that's kind of what the zone of interest is and I thought that was interesting but to me watching it I was a little bored I'm not gonna lie just like the and the I've heard that a lot the overall like entertainment it kind of just felt like a meditation almost like there's not a ton of dialogue from what I remember I definitely remember being a little sleepy I'm not going to, you know, take down the artistic, like, artistry of the film or anything, but I do think that it's not a film for everyone, that's for sure, and it was a little hard to get through. 
one of my friends walked out. Actually, a few people walked out of the screening. Not because of discomfort, but just out of boredom, do you assume? It could it could have been a discomfort. It could have been a discomfort. But it also, I think my friends was out of like, I can't sit through this anymore kind of thing. So if we take Jonathan Glazer out, out of those four, and even any other names that might be on the snub list, who would you plug in as that fifth best director? Um, I feel like this is going to be... It's not going to be controversial, but obviously, if you've seen any discourse online in the past two days, you know Greta Gerwig is causing quite an upset with her lack of nomination. I would put Celine Song in there. I am completely on board with you. I think Celine Song, what she does with past lives. It's her first movie. First movie. That literally blows my mind. Milestones. And I I mean this so genuinely. no, No discredit to Barbie. Past Lives is milestones ahead of Barbie. That film is like, I I like Barbie, but I think you have an excessive use of product placement with that Chevy Blazer or whatever that car is that you are deliberately trying to sell to audiences. And then you have the Mattel situation with Will Ferrell that just doesn't make sense to me. So you have those, which that does not discredit the film. It's still a top 10 or top, top 20 film for me. But Celine Song creates, in my opinion, the best romance film of probably the last 10 years. Like I loved this film so much. And to your point, it's her first film. It's her first one. And so, yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. She, she got the biggest snub in my book. Any other snubs, any other surprises on that one? Maybe Andrew Hay, but I also haven't seen all the strangers yet, but I just feel like from what, like the, I don't know. I've seen a lot of clips and press and everything. Um, and I've just seen his name kind of thrown around. And it's also, you know, I've seen one of his other movies, which is amazing. One movie. And so, Weekend. 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 Okay. Yes. But I, but Celine Song saw my list. I, if we're going to talk about snubs right now, I just, we'll, we'll get to, you know, the Barbie discourse, I feel like, with other nominations. But I, I do appreciate what Greta Gerwig represents for female filmmakers. I just... I think what shines in this film is the writing for her um, yeah. and then every other aspect of Barbie, which isn't just her. This is like, don't get me wrong. I do think like, uh, as far as I understand, I haven't seen the zone of interest, so I don't have a lot of credibility here, but like I would take Greta Gerwig over Jonathan Glazer, but I would take Celine Song first. So if it's only going to be one slot, because everything else makes sense to me. That's what I mean. Who are Justin you going to edge out? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Anatomy of a Fall, so, so good. So good. Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. You could, I guess, like, but uh, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I don't think so because I think he, I mean, compared to The Irishman, like, I was so, I, I was impressed by I like his... this film a lot. I, I know there's, it's long, but I liked it a lot. Um, Christopher Nolan, obviously, Yorgos, a, very much fitting for this so this is like yes i get the greta and i get the margo discourse but this one's the one that makes the most sense to me like it's still a snub but it makes the most sense out of the whole conversation that's happened but we'll get to the other ones we'll get to the other ones. yes all right actor in a leading role we have bradley cooper for maestro coleman domingo for rustin paul giamatti for the holdovers killian murphy for oppenheimer and jeffrey wright for american fiction who do you got okay my this was a tough one because Paul Giamatti is really in the in terms of the other award ceremonies they're kind of neck and neck at this point I want Killy Murphy to win obviously but 
And my wheel is killing Murphy. Okay, I'm predicting so you, that he will so win. You both, okay. Yes. Yeah, this feels like a a Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh situation where like they they're kind of trading off at ceremonies until the Oscars because that's what yeah. it felt like. Um I do ultimately think Killian Murphy will win and I really want him to win. I do think Paul Giamatti is really good, but in he's really good in a film that I I think Killian Murphy there's so much demanded of him in this role. Like he has to portray this person so innately accurate or else the film just doesn't work. It doesn't sell us. It doesn't prove anything. And to where Paul Giamatti it gives such a great performance, but in a performance that he creates. It's a it's a fictional character. It's not, you know, somebody that he has yeah. to represent. I think Coleman Domingo is a very unique choice here. I think Rustin is an average film. I, I think I gave it a three out of five. It's on Netflix for anybody who wants to see it. Great message great story but the film itself just doesn't it just doesn't work as well so leonardo dicaprio getting left off of this list blows my mind blows my or andrew scott like both of them just i i'm so shocked like is it because leo plays an unlikable character is it because he's ugly in the film and i mean he's not even ugly but is it because he's not good looking you know and he really transforms himself because I think DiCaprio gives one of it. Like, I think he gives an incredible performance, like memorable. But yeah. Coma Domingo sneaking in there when it seems like his performance in The Color Purple was even better in a supporting role. That's just a unique one for me. Yeah, I haven't seen Rustin, so I can't speak on that. I will say about the Paul and Killian debate, I f- thought Paul was fantastic as well. The character is so unique. But I feel like what put, puts Killian over the edge is Paul's preferred performance i think is very much tied to his counterparts to uh davine joe randolph and dominic sessa the like younger actor and i think they as a trio make up his performance honestly like i think he's aided so much by them whereas killian murphy really stands alone like obviously there's it's a huge ensemble cast but he is the leader of that film like he's truly the lead actor the script was literally written in the first person like he had so much to tackle like you mentioned so i think that puts him over the edge uh in my opinion and i'm bummed andrew scott was left off this list i am i love andrew scott so much i've loved him ever since he played hamlet and he's a big theater actor as well so i adore him and i like totally thought this was going to be his you know potential moment because he was nominated in other award shows and i'm bummed he's a big snub for me I'm so bummed because I love I think he's an incredible actor, truly. I think this is Coleman Domingo's first nomination, Killian Murphy's first nomination, and Jeffrey Wright. Which That's amazing though. Jeffrey Wright, like I don't I don't want to bypass what he did in American fiction. I just think that movie is so have you seen American fiction? I have it. That's my next one because I think it's uh coming to streaming soon. Yeah, this is very much an Oscar-type film, and I don't know how to describe yeah. that other than saying an Oscar-type film. But... I know the plot. I know the the premise. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really good. Honestly, he's just one of my favorite actors to see in a film. Like, he's so good in The Batman, so good in this. He's even good in Rustin. Like, he plays a supporting role in that film. Right. But I just think, I don't know. Like, Killian does just separate himself. And I think you sold me, like, fully on why the Oscars, like, they, the Academy will choose him because he is in arguably the greatest ensemble of 2023. 
And his performance is so recognizable in comparison to everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt is nominated, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, wait. Okay, she does have a good role. But, like, not to the level of Killian and what he's doing for three hours. So, okay. So, we both have Killian Murphy. We are literally three for three on Oppenheimer We're three right for now. three. We're three for three. <laughs> oh, God. I, 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 I fear this next category will change things up. We'll oh, see. this one this one bothers me. All right. Actress in a leading role. We have Annette Benning from Nyad. We have Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon. Sandra Huller from Anatomy of a Fall. Carrie Mulligan from Maestro. And Emma Stone from Poor Things. Give me your thoughts. Okay. My want is Lily Gladstone. And my will is Emma Stone. Wow. We are flipped. I know. Flipped. I know. We are flipped. I know. Oh, we're flipped? I think You're Lily kidding. Gladstone will win. I really want Emma Stone to win. I like desperately. This is this is my Brendan Fraser pick from last year. Like I was so on Brendan Fraser and I'm like, Emma Stone, I want you to win so bad. But once you see poor things, I, I'm just curious to know if it, by all means, like if, if Lily sticks it out, great performance she is the focal point of that film she does have the least uh not it's like decently close but i think she has the least amount of screen time she's really good uh emma stone i'm just like whoa annette benning makes no sense to me i i don't want to discredit her performance you said but you've seen it this is a netflix film once again nothing discredited on netflix but like a Netflix film about a, you know, based on a true story of a female swimmer who swims essentially from, I forgot where it is, but it's across the ocean in two days, no stopping. And Annette Benning swims for most of the film. Like she doesn't do much. Like I don't, I, once again, I'm trying my best not to discredit, <laughs> but you, you snub Margot Robbie from Barbie, who is literally just so transformative in a role that should be laughable like i hate to say that but like if it's not margot robbie who's doing this role i don't think anybody else can sell me on that role of barbie she is so good she is so good and greta lee from past lives like she's i was okay yeah yeah so like you have two of the great performances that are left off of this list i will say sandra holof she fully belongs there. Anatomy of a Fall, she's really, oh, really, yeah. really good. She's also in Zone of Interest, so she's had me a year. How was she in Zone of Interest? She is good, but I, I feel like in Anatomy of the Fall, she like she in Zone of Interest, she plays the wife of the okay. of the father. Um, it's just a very res- like restrained movie, so she's just not. I don't really you don't really get to see her as much as you do in Anatomy of the Fall. Okay. Um, for me, my snubs are. Greta Lee and Natalie Portman. Oh, would she have been leading? She would have, huh? That's a good right? point. Wouldn't she have been leading? I think I did put her as a snub in my supporting role. I did put oh, okay. her as a, well, yeah. So either way, she is okay, snub. Natalie Portman is really good in yeah. May, December. And she's nowhere to be found. May, December is nowhere to be found. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... I agree. I do. I feel like there's been a lot of talk about how Margot Robbie was totally snubbed. I think I'm really happy that Barbie was nominated for Best Picture because I think she probably cares a lot more about her producer role at this point. Like she really is so focused on that and her production company. And I'm sure she's very happy about that. I feel like there's there's just been a lot of uproar about her not being nominated. I do agree that she was amazing and she totally sells that part. I just 
I don't know. I think it's okay that she wasn't nominated. Like, I get people. But the thing is, I think people are like, it's getting a little overwhelming because people are like, Ryan getting nominated, Ryan Gosling getting nominated is, and Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie not getting nominated is like a attack this on This Barbie feminism. in real life. Like, this is the script. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is just a little dramatic. <laughs> this is going from a woman. Like, I think this is a little dramatic. And I'm so glad Barbie probably didn't expect to get nominated for a lot of stuff. It's a very entertaining IP kind of movie. And I'm sure they are glad that they got Best Picture. And I think they have eight nominations. Like, yes, I think they, they have got a lot. So many, <laughs> which is amazing. Like, I'm so happy they got so many nominations. I think Margot being left out isn't as bad as everyone's saying it is. Yeah, I'm glad that you said this because I think if you look at all these nominations objectively, not emotionally, but objectively, like Greta, we talked about that, where it's like, okay, there's five slots and maybe zone of interest. That's maybe one that you can swap out. But then again, I would put Celine's song there first over Greta. And so same thing here. Like I think Margot Robbie is so good. But I yes. might put Greta Lee here first Greta rather Lee. than I'm so mad she wasn't always Yeah, that's <laughs> that that's, was that's... my big for this category. And that's I do Margot Robbie's gonna get her Oscar. She's incredible and gets so many opportunities. But yeah, like she can get any role she wants. I feel like all of this discourse is being is overshadowing like Lily Gladstone, the first Native American actor to get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Like that's incredible. And I'm like and she probably will we'll see, but I, I think she's going to win. And I mean, obviously, I, I said I think Emma Stone's going to win, but she she has a very high chance of winning. And so that's exciting. So I, I think there's it's not as you know bad as everyone's saying. Yeah. And I, I, I think we needed to look at you made a great point with the Lily Gladstone example, because I think that's the same thing with CODA. The year that CODA won was the year of the slap. And so everybody remembers that as Will Smith slapping Chris Rock rather than the first all-deaf production to win I loved an Oscar. that movie, like too. That, yeah, that movie's so good. That so charming. So good. Um, this was a tough category. My, I just The Annette Benning just doesn't make sense to me. Um, right. I do like Jodie Foster in that movie quite a bit because really- Jodie Foster is the support system. She is the anchor. She's the one who's pushing Annette Benning's character. But Annette Benning is swimming for 40, 50, 60% of that film. So Right, right. All right. Um. Anything else okay. on that? I know that was a. I got. I got <laughs> sorry, my. That was my, my blood rant. Boiling. No, you're good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's what we want on the show. We want some rants. Um. Actor in a supporting role. Okay. We have Sterling K. Brown from American Fiction. Robert De Niro from Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. from Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling from Barbie. Mark Ruffalo from Poor Things. Who do you got? This is a bit. I don't know. Kind of random. But I said Robert Downey Jr. will win. And I said I want Mark Ruffalo because I just like love him. And from the clips I've seen of him in Poor Things, he is just doing something he has never done before. And I adore him. So we we have the exact same pick. I You're I kidding. Think, I think You're Robert kidding. Downey Jr. will win. It, so that's good. And I want desperately Mark Ruffalo to win. I think his performance so is awesome. so good. <laughs> so good. Um this, I guess, maybe a snub. Charles Melton did get left off this list, even though he yeah. was in a lot of the conversations at other awards ceremonies. He was even like considered kind of a top, you know, choice for like the Golden Globe and and I think SAG. So Sterling K. Brown kind of took over, which is nice because you know I heard this on another podcast and I completely agree. Sterling K. Brown is 
the life of American fiction. He's he's almost like the the energy, the liveliness, the vibrance that you need in a, a very grounded story. And he's really good. So I'm glad that he got nominated. I think that's his first non-Oscar nomination that he's ever had. Um, but yeah, I think Robert Downey Jr. kind of has this in the bag. Yeah, I think so too. Which I'm glad it's his, you know, it'll be his, his first Oscar probably only. So that's exciting. Actress in a supporting role. We have Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer, Daniel Brooks from The Color Purple, America Ferreira from Barbie, Jodie Foster from Nyad, and Devine Joy Randolph from The Holdovers. Who do you got? I have Will and one to me and Joy Randolph. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, I'm not even like questioning this because I will say I do have I have Devine Joy Randolph winning. She is not my one, but I, I have her winning. Okay. Yeah. When yeah. did this hype? Like she got so much hype out of nowhere. Like it was like she sold. She's got it in the bag. All award ceremonies. She's the best actress in a supporting role. No, I, I get that. I totally get that. I think it was interesting for me to watch it after I had after she was already winning awards for this role because I feel like she doesn't have as much it's interesting with supporting because the screen time can totally vary. You can have yeah. someone who's basically almost leading and then someone who's basically like a featured actress in the in the movie. So and I think she's somewhere in the middle. Like I feel like she's not, you know, in it a lot, but but for me, I just think this role can get stereo. This kind of role can get stereotyped really easily, and I feel like a lot of black actresses are put into this kind of stereotypical role of like the maid or the cook, etc. And I think this role was one written a little bit differently. And for me, she just for the moments she had, I don't know. I thought there was a lot of like complexities with her character, like she's dealing with grief and this relationship with um with Paul's character and I don't know I really liked in terms of the rest of them I just didn't personally see someone I liked better like I love I'm so glad America Ferreira was nominated but she's the best out of the ones in the category for me yeah, when I look at the actor in a supporting role versus the actress in a supporting role I almost feel like Writers need to figure this out. Like I don't I, get me wrong. They, so true. They all did really well, but they're almost like in this for a monologue or for a moment, but not for an entire performance. Like Emily Blunt is yes. here because of her monologue, and America Ferrer is here for her monologue. I haven't seen the color purple, so I don't know how Danielle Brooks did. But when you look at Robert Downey Jr. or Robert De Niro or Ryan Gosling or Mark Ruffalo or even Sterling K. Brown, they have significant supporting roles. They're not just a monologue. They're not just saying a two-minute segment that's really powerful. And I think that's my my tough, I don't know, I guess. That is such, you got a soundbite that. That's such an incredible point, Spencer. <laughs> like, I had not even thought of that. I swear. And it's really, it really, like, I feel like people always talk about, oh, my gosh, you know, opportunity, equal opportunity, etc. This is a pure example of the lack of opportunity because obviously there are roles and they're good on paper but like the actual performances are reduced I don't know whether that's in the script or in the editing room or whatever to a monologue 
or a moment yeah. or like something. Whereas I feel like Divine Joy Randolph actually has a lot of scenes <laughs> compared to the rest of these. That's a good point. And to be honest, my only like my personal pick is the only other one. I Once again, I don't know if Danielle Brooks had a massive role or not. But I chose Jodie Foster for my personal. Jodie Foster, like, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, so. Yeah. Only because, to your point, she has an actual role rather than a monologue. Like, Emily Blunt being in this, and even America Ferreira, as much as I really enjoy them, it surprises me. I'm just like, wow. So, you... Because you there probably link- wasn't enough people. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. To choose from. <laughs> like, you, you do have Julianne Moore, who is kind of similar, because she plays kind of a smaller character in... Uh, May December, like yeah, that's definitely more of a role, though, for sure. Yeah, so that's a yeah, tough, tough. But I do think Davine Joy Randolph has this in the bag. Me too, me too. I'm happy for her too. Yeah, she's and she's so sweet. She like wrote out her the Golden Globe speech on a paper, and she stuck to it. Like she read the paper. I know, it's so efficient. She's great. Very, very uh, a great trio there too from the holdovers. I know, love it. All right, adapted screenplay. We have American Fiction uh, by Cord Jefferson. We have Barbie, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. We have Oppenheimer, written by Christopher Nolan. We have Poor Things, written by Tony McNamara. Um, Wow, what else has Tony McNamara done? That sounds so familiar. And then The Zone of Interest, written by Jonathan Glazer. What do you got? Okay, my will win is Oppenheimer. Okay. And... Hmm. Okay, wait. I wrote that I want is Barbie, but maybe I want it to be Oppenheimer. <laughs> I just really want. I just like love Greta Gerwig and her writing, because um, I think that's the star, honestly, of the movie and like the story overall. But yeah, I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. But I think P- P- Poor Things also has a chance. Yeah, I think this is this might be one of the hardest categories for me, which it usually isn't. Like adapted screenplay, it's not what people look at. They're not like, oh my god, but like I do, you know, and I'm sure you do as well. Um, I think so. My personal pick, who I want, is Oppenheimer. That's my like, I want Oppenheimer to win. I have this gut, like, not even gut, like this this kind of just tangled feeling in my stomach that the zone of interest is going to win this, and I don't want them to, but I, I just. I think the Oscar might go to them. I I personally think it's between Poor Things, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. I think when nominations were kind of floating around, I think Barbie was really kind of top-tier target, top-tier name that was being floated around. But now that we've gone through like six different award shows and we've seen kind of how people are voting and how they're they're receptive to these films... I, I think it's going to be between those three, and I, I really would like it to be Oppenheimer or Poor Things, but I think I personally think the Oscar is going to go to the zone of interest. Okay. No, no, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. That was my one surprise. I thought this one would easily be nominated oh. for adapted screenplay, and that just is nowhere to be found. Which, I mean, Martin Scorsese rewrote that entire script and nothing. So that's, yeah, tough. Anything else on those? You feeling pretty good? Not really. Yeah, I think honestly the only thing I had was even before nominations came out was that Barbie is adapted instead of original because there's no, there's obviously the IP, but there's no story that she based it off of. So yeah, did did you hear that they tried to go for original and then they were told no? <laughs> yes, I was, I was like that was I saw that news and I was like that's a bummer. Yeah, and this is Barbie's a little bit 
like a fish out of water because they're the only IP adapted film, whereas everything else is based off of a novel or a nonfiction. Uh, what do you call that? Just like a, a book, uh, Oppenheimer. I don't know what you would call that, but yeah, um, every, <laughs> yeah. everything else is based off of a written, you know, context, whereas Barbie is written off of just this intellectual property. And I think that's a little bit tough to, to, you know, fight with. All right. Original screenplay. We have anatomy of a fall uh, written by Justin Trier and Arthur Harari. We have The Holdovers, written by David Hemmingson. We have Maestro, written by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. We have May December. Look at May December making a splash here. Uh, written by Sam Burke and uh, Alex Mechanic. And then Past Lives, written by Celine Song. Who do you got? Okay. This was just kind of a gut choice. I don't really know why, but I said Anatomy of a Fall will win. And I want Past Lives to win. We're in the same boat, same exact pick. I I want past lives, but I think Anatomy of a Fall will take this one. Yeah. And then May December, just like, oh, I'm just happy it got a nomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, they they kind of came out of nowhere. May December reminds me of that, um, like the killer a little bit. It's just like some people are watching this, and you have one side saying this is like one of the best films of the year. And then you have the other side saying, like, why do people like this so much? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Just a little bit confused. But what are your thoughts on Maestro so far? There's not really any love going for Maestro. I know. I think the main thing is that Maestro is the other biopic of 2023, and it's up against Oppenheimer. It's not going to win anything. No, I really don't think it is. Like, that's a tough thing. If this was any other year and Bradley Cooper, like, he didn't get nominated for Best Director, which I feel bad for the guy because he clearly worked so hard on this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just about the, the timing, I think, is that it's literally the other biopic of the year is Oppenheimer, which is, you know, unprecedented. So, yeah, I don't think it's, it's it might get something, but I don't really see. We'll go through the rest, but I don't really see it winning over Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bradley Cooper, and I'm, I don't know what's going through his mind, but in my opinion, I'm like, dude, look, you've made two films and they are both critically acclaimed with plenty of Oscar nominations. Like, that's insane. You are two for two on Oscar credited films. Like, you might not win anything for this one, but still to say to anybody like, hey, I have two Oscar nominated films under my belt. Oh, by the way, the only yeah. two films I've ever made and they're Oscar worthy. Like, that's 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 good to, you know, have in your um, he's doing good. He's doing good. Yeah. He's doing all right. He's making cheese steaks in Philly. He's good. He's good. All right, cinematography. We have El Conde making a sneak up here in uh, cinematography. That was that's great. Um, by Edward Lockman, Killers of the Flower Moon. Rodrigo Prieto, who also did Barbie, so he's he's in here for something. Uh, Maestro by Matthew Libatique. Oppenheimer by Hoyte Van Hoytema. The Goat. Poor Things by Robbie Ryan. All right, who do you got? Okay, I have one and will Oppenheimer. <laughs> yep, same, same. I, I've heard some really good discourse around El Conde. Like, there's a lot of surprise that it's yeah. here, but I heard that the cinematography is the literal reason it is noticeable and recognizable. So I want to check that out. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't checked it. I believe it's a Spanish film, um, but I have no idea what it's even about. <laughs> Me either. I'm I'm trying to think. I will say Killers was beautiful. Like absolutely Truly. stunning. Stunning. Um but cinematography's tough. I just think like on 
this sense of the atomic bomb, but also recreating this town and how they made the town look and then also the school and how they made that look like Oppenheimer is so crisp. It's so realistic. It's so appealing to me that it, that's just no question in my book. All right. Original song. We have The Fire Inside by Flamin' Hot. We have a Cheetos movie getting an Oscar nomination. How about that? Um, I know. I'm just Ken from Barbie. Uh, it never went away from American Symphony. We have a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon. And what was I made for from Barbie? What do you got? My want and will is what was I made for? Don't you want to give the audience what they want in the fire inside from Flame and Hot? Don't you just 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 give them something? Give them give them something. I don't know if you watched the live Oscar nominations, like the, oh, the no. How, them, how did they say this? <laughs> the cheer, the cheer was so in, like insane. Like the cheer for this song was not like not not other. Literally, what? Like everyone like cheered when that song was announced. <laughs> Wow. It was so funny. Okay. The fact that two of the eight Oscar nominations for Barbie are in this category alone is is quite impressive. They could have had three too. Like Dance the Night Away could have been a, a song on this by Dua Yeah, Lipa, for sure. But... For sure. I love I'm Just Ken and I listen to it probably uh once a day. But <laughs> but what was I waiting for just like made me feel things that I haven't. So have you listened to the holiday EP of I'm Just Ken? Yes, <laughs> where they, they made like three, three different holiday yes. songs of the same exact song. It is really good. Honestly, Ryan Gosling might be one of my favorite actors, not for like the sense of his like, like best actor, but just his charisma. Like when you watch oh, Crazy Stupid awesome. Love and then you watch La La Land and then you watch Barbie. I'm like, dude, he's so good. He is so good. I know. Um, My pick is what was I made for, for both Oscar and personal pick i've heard some like negative discourse about this song and i don't really get why like this is a very deeply sentimental and emotional song about like just reflection and like the inequality and like where do i find myself in this current world like what am i what was i made for like literally yeah and i think delving into that idea was really cool so i don't really get the negative conversations around this song anything else on original song feeling pretty good yes (laughs) <laughs> she's like yeah we're good alright costume design we have Barbie we have Killers of the Flower Moon Napoleon wow look at you Napoleon Oppenheimer and Poor Things who do you got okay I have Will and Want Barbie oh nice okay. we'll see though okay. we'll see but I definitely want them to win yeah this is hmm this is this is tough. I mean, I I will say I did give my want and will win to poor things. I I think their costume design is, I feel like that is was phenomenal. The other option. Yeah, I all these like even Napoleon as as not uh, enjoyable of a film as that film was. Like Napoleon is just not really that good in my opinion. But the the costume design is really good, and they they transform kind of the the era. So yeah, Barbie's really good. Killers are the great. This is a great category. I think they all deserve to be here. But yeah, I'm going to go with poor things. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Sound. Sound. We have the creator. Did you see the creator? Not yet, but I have been meaning to. Yeah, for any Rogue One fans, uh, same same filmmaker. Uh, Dave, John David Washington is also the lead. 
So we have the creator. So this is for sound. So we have the creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, not part one anymore, just Dead Reckoning, Oppenheimer, and the Zone of Interest. What do you got? Will and one Oppenheimer. <laughs> I just love, I love just the like, ah, all right, Oppenheimer. No, I just mean like, it's so funny because I feel like the the thing about this ceremony is will, the question is, will Oppenheimer sweep? It will or it won't. And I feel like most of my picks are like it will. But we, it's really like, you never know. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just a year where the Academy's like, nope. Like, it'll win Best Director and Best Actor, but not everything else or something. I can't speak to the zone of interest, but when I think of sound and the way that their sound editing was, like, Oppenheimer is just a no-brainer. Like, I just think for my personal pick and Oscar pick, like, it's like, there's no other film on this list that would match it. Like, truly, Maestro's great, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Sorry, not Part 1 anymore. They're going to kill me with that. Um, And the creative, like, they... Those confuse me, to be completely honest. I'm just like, I don't, I'm sorry. It's Oppenheimer. Like, that's the only one that makes sense to me. So, all right. Any snubs, by the way, throughout these? I haven't had any on my own personal list. I don't know if you've had any snubs or surprises. I didn't go super in depth with the rest of these. Uh, okay. Just in terms of time. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. All right. What do we have next? We have original score. All right. We have American fiction. Uh, Laura Carpman. We have Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Mr. John Williams. Oh my God, the legend himself. The I know. most accredited Oscar nominated, or the most yeah. What is what would you say that? Like the the person who has the most Oscar nomination. Yeah, most nominated ever. I think he has like fifty six or crazy. something. That's like crazy. <laughs> That's so many. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon by Robbie Robertson. Oppenheimer by Ludwig Göransson, and Poor Things by Jerskin Fendrix. Who do you got? Considering that I... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait. I have a reasoning for this. (laughs) Considering that I listen to Can You Hear the Music also every day. On uh, repeat. My want and will is Oppenheimer. (laughs) Ludwig is so good. He is so, so good. This is no brainer. Ludwig, Ludwig has this. Besides Killian Murphy's performance, the top thing I took away from the first time I saw Oppenheimer was like, oh my God, the score. Absolutely. It was number one in my mind. I was like, this score is unreal. And I always question myself. I'm like, do you think Hans Zimmer is like kicking himself? Or are you like, nah, he's fine. Just because to me, they felt similar, obviously. Um, yeah, they're very similar. They're they're outrageous. He probably similar. was like, dang, this dude is going to like top me. Because <laughs> like, literally, he's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. Well, Hans Zimmer passed up on doing Tenet because he was doing Dune. And so by doing so, Christopher Nolan found Ludwig Goranson. And from what I assume happened is he loved what Ludwig did in that film and said, hey, do you want to come back for Oppenheimer? And he just outdid himself. I mean, Ludwig has also he's been incredible. He did the Mandalorian theme song. He's done the music for that. He did Black Panther. Um, He's done the music for all the the two Black Panther films. He's really, really good. I will say big, big props to Jerskin Fendrix, who is a first-time composer. This is the first film. Oh, wow. She's also in the film. She she plays one small moment where Bella Baxter, um, Emma Stone's character, is staring at this woman playing the violin, and that is Jerskin Fendrix. A, oh, that's just incredible. Just a piercing, a piercing score, uncomfortable, unrattling, yeah. and really, really good. So 
I I did put a snub on this one. Any guesses on who my snub might, might be? No. I just love the genuine thought of like, wait, who is this? Uh, I put Daniel Pemberton, who did Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. I oh, I feel of course. like I feel like that should have gotten some love. I you know I'm I'm not mad about American fiction, but to be honest, I don't remember a single song. I don't remember a single sound. I'm not mad about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because it's John Williams. But yeah, come on, like Spider Man, that is a memorable score. Like I remember that score. So. Oh my goodness, that was, that was tough for me. Um, all right, live action short film. We have The After. We have Invincible, Night of Fortune, Red, Right, and Blue, and the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Okay, you do your picks because these I really <laughs> didn't know. Um, <laughs> this for is where Wes Anderson, but Wes Anderson's winning. He's my pick. Yeah, and I agree. he's the Oscar pick. I just think he's milestones ahead of anybody else in this category. I think you're right. Also, can we talk about Dev Patel being outrageously good in this? Have you seen this? The the wonderful story yeah. of Henry oh, Sugar? Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He's such a good actor. I'm like, Dev Patel, where are you? Like, be in more films, please. All right. Animated short film. We have Letter to a Pig. We have 95 Senses. We have, uh, how, do we, how do you know how you say that? Pachydermy. And then we have Wars Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. Any guesses? I've not seen any of these. I'm just going to let you know that right now. I do not. I do not know. Okay. One of these was made by the the Salt Lake City Institute, which is really cool. Oh, so this is the that Broadway cool. theater that I go to. They're part of this institution. Yeah. Um, and that is 95 Senses. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with That's the awesome. pick for Oscar and my personal pick. It's also made by the same filmmaker of Napoleon Dynamite and... Uh, Nacho Libre, so probably the biggest Utah filmmaker. Like he's he's just very well known yeah. here. But ninety five senses. I'm gonna check this one out. I I don't know much about it. You gonna pick any? Or are you just saying nah? We're gonna we're gonna hold. No, nah, I'm just gonna go with you for this one. Okay, deal. Uh, I need documentary to do feature film. The the actual award show. <laughs> deal. Yeah, that works. Uh, we have Bo Bobby or Bobby Wine, the People's President, the Eternal Memory, Four Daughters. To Kill a Tiger in 20 Days in Maripol. I will say, I this is probably the year I am least associated with documentary features. Like, I have not seen any of these. I, I don't even know where to find them. But I usually try to dip my toes into some documentaries, and I have not seen any of these. Okay, well, I have a want for this one. And I don't, I don't think you remember, but when I talked about my can experience... One of my favorite movies that I saw Four Daughters? was Four Daughters. Yeah. It is perhaps the most, I was just so mind blown. So mind blown. It's so amazing. And I really hope they win because it's it's also like extremely relevant right now, I feel like. Um, it's such a beautiful film and it's so shocking. And it's basically a, it's kind of a hybrid documentary, I would say. Like it's, there's, there's narrative sections, but it's. Okay. The, the director of the film is like in the film. So she's, you know, she's asking questions and to these essentially daughters. And what happened is I forget exactly the country. Um, I can look it up. But two of these four daughters, these four sisters Yo, went missing. I remember and this. Up, yeah. And they ended up um, becoming terrorists. And so it's kind of the story of I'm going to look up the country just so I don't get it wrong. But um, it is such a beautiful like heartbreaking film and um 
Tunisia. Tunisia. So Wow. Yeah. I remember you talking about this. Yes, I was obsessed. I was obsessed. Is that on anything? Do you know by chance? I don't know. I I was I'm honestly when I saw this nomination, I was literally over the moon. I like texted my Aww. entire can group shot and was like, I'm so glad that they made it to I didn't think that film would ever see the light of day. Like genuinely, I was like, I think I'm just seeing this ama- amazing gem of a movie and it's not gonna get recognized, but it did. No, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Uh Prime? Maybe Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, I think All you, right. can, you can buy you can rent it, I think. Deal. So All right. I am going to make it a point of emphasis to try to watch literally every film that is on these lists, whether it's documentary short, documentary feature, animated short, animated feature, international. And so I, I'm i going to give you my want because I just don't know these films for Four yeah. Daughters. I have some weird, like, once again, gut feeling that has no merit, nothing attached to it, that 20 Days of Maripol is going to win. This is a, a mm-hmm. like a film about the Ukrainian war. Apparently it's very riveting, very dark. Um, yeah, but yeah, I bet these all are very moving and incredible. So I'm going to go with that one, but I'm very excited to check these out. I just think documentary feature films are overlooked and I think that there needs to be more access to them. Documentary short film. We have the ABCs of book banning. We have, which that one sounds very interesting. I don't know if you looked into that, but that is about books getting banned from like libraries and stuff. So interesting. So interesting. I want to check that out. Uh, the Barber of Little Rock, Island in Between, The Last Repair Shop, and Nai Nai and Waipo. Who do you got? So I don't have a one because I haven't seen any of these, but I have heard a lot about The Last Repair Shop. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's when I've just heard a lot of discourse about and like heard it in the conversation. So maybe that one? I'm going to go with my want and will to Nai Nai and Waipo. This is definitely recency bias for me. I've not seen this film, but I did just watch Didi, which is kind of a coming-of-age, mid-'90s type film that pre- premiered here at Sundance. This is made by the same director. Um, it has one of the same actors in it. And just the way Didi was filmed and how human that film is and so relatable and so, like, it's so just charming yeah, really because of one. how much I can relate to it. I almost just... I, I'm just putting my energy in that same corner. So props to... Sean Sean Wong, I believe his name is, for not only premiering at Sundance, but getting Oscar nominated while being at Sundance. It's probably really special. Um, international feature film. I do have some snubs here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. All right. Lo Capitano for Italy. We have Perfect Days from Japan, Society of the Snow from Spain, The Teacher's Lounge from Germany, and the Zone of Interest from the United Kingdom. What do you got? So my want is Society of the Snow. And my will is the zone of interest. We are the same on this one. So you did see Society of the Snow? Uh-huh. That movie. My God. I forgot. That's the other one. That's the other one that I watched. Oh, my God. Heartbreaking. It's so good. I, I mentioned this during my Poor Things episode. And I'm, I don't know. I can't remember if I, I cut it out from the beginning. But I think we talked about it. Um, they The way that they showed that plane crash is outrageously just it's so dark it's so dark yeah and i kind of appreciated them for doing it because it it truly added to the conclusion which was i i cried because of everything that they had to go through and it was really really good i i so like i said my pick is society of the snow i do think the zone of interest will win i think 
France kind of had a hiccup here because they did not submit Anatomy of a Fall because they submitted The Taste of Things, which I am very excited about. I've heard really good things. Oh, and now right. that okay. did not get nominated. And then Anatomy of a Fall most likely would have competed pretty heavily with the Zone of Interest, but they did not submit it. And so I think that there was kind of a hiccup there. So yeah, I think the Zone of Interest has this one, which fortunate or unfortunate, I just think that's what it's going to be. All right. Animated feature. We have uh, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, never heard of that in my life, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Can I just, real quick, where... Where is where is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? Why is that not on this list? You know list? what? You're so right. Where is it? <laughs> what? That movie is so good. Why is that not on this list? Do they not like Seth Rogen? Do they say, you're just a shitty director. Get out of here. We don't like you, <laughs> Seth Rogen. And we don't like your voice actors. I'm Honestly, sorry. This is insane because Dis- Disney is my life, but that should have been there instead of Elemental. <laughs> have you seen Nimona and Robot Dreams? I have not seen those two. No, no, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But if we're going to pick Elemental one that I have seen. Elemental feels political. It feels political. Oh, for sure. Every single Disney animated movie has to get nominated. Not Wish, though. Wish is not on the list. Not Wish. Not Wish. No. Um, mine are for this are Want is Spider-Man and Will is the Boy and the Heron. But I also haven't seen the Boy and the Heron. So. Okay. Okay. I had a really hard time with this one. I... Which, by the way, back on that Wish conversation real quick, I think it's so funny that Disney was like, this is our 100-year anniversary film. We put so much thought into this, and nobody saw it. So um, I know. I haven't even seen it yet. Me neither. I, I just I didn't have really the desire to see it. I just, <laughs> obviously, I don't even have to. I need to watch Nimona and Robot Dreams. That's what I need to see here. And, and, and the last 15 minutes of Elemental, because I still owe it to them. <laughs> Uh, I still owe it to yes, him. All right. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm i going to sound blunt here, and, I, and I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want the boy in the heron to win. I think it's gotten so much attention that feels a little bit discredited. Like, I looked at Miyazaki's filmography, and he's been nominated quite a few times, but he's only won for um, Spirited Away. And in my mind, knowing what I've heard, I've only seen Spirited Away and The Boy and the Heron from his filmography, but knowing what I've heard, like Howl's Moving Castle didn't win. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones that he's known for. Like the, uh, There's so many other films that people have told me, big anime fans, they're like, oh, The Boy and the Heron's really good, but not like a top one, two, three, or four film, like maybe a five right. film or even a six and so that it's getting like almost too much love for it to feel organic. So I am going to just give my Oscar and my personal to Spider-Man because I think it truly, honestly, objectively deserves it more than yeah. Boy and the Heron. But I think I do think Boy and the Heron will be strongly considered. You're like, shut up, Spencer. Boy and the Heron. Give put respect on Miyazaki's name. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I agree. I love Spider-Man. I, I'm, it's my want. It's my so, want. I agree. It's my need. It's my desire. All right. Makeup and hairstyling. We have Golda. Golda is making an appearance. Let's go. I did not watch this on the plane, but I was going to. Uh, Maestro, <laughs> Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. Good on Society of the Snow. That was a good, that was a good choice for this category. Um, who for do you have? sure. And I think, um, so my want is Maestro, actually. I haven't seen four things though. 
That's the only thing about this category. Um, and then Will, I just set Oppenheimer because I feel like I don't really understand why it's on this list. <laughs> but like, it makes think, no sense to me. <laughs> I think maybe poor things then will win. Um, I'm happy about Society in the Snow though because, like, when they're freezing, they it's so realistic looking. It's insane. They did a good job with that. My snub though is Barbie. I'm like shocked Barbie isn't on here. Absolutely shocked because of the amount of oh yeah what I watched of the they literally went through like rounds and rounds and rounds of tests on the color to get Margot's hair like the exact shade oh, of blonde really? for Margot's hair yes because they needed it to be like not too white blonde but not too like golden so it wouldn't look like super wow. unrealistic or re- it was just such a balance so there was a lot of of that I was I was shocked that Barbie wasn't nominated but anyway what are your picks yeah, this is probably the only time I'll say this on this podcast, but like, why is Oppenheimer on this category? Like, what? I don't know. <laughs> when I think of makeup and hairstyling, Oppenheimer is at the bottom of my list. I don't even think twice about Oppenheimer. Um, I do love Maestro and the fact that we talked about this on our review episode. Bradley Cooper transforms and they transform him very well. Truly amazing. In like the different ages that he goes through. Um, Society of the Snow does a really good job with the the freezing moments and also just like their cracked lips and just really making it believable. I think poor things has this. Uh, it's my personal pick. It's my Oscar pick to what you said with Oppenheimer. I think poor things is in the same boat where it could either go really like run the table or it could win yeah. like one thing or two things maybe. So I think poor things is going to take this one, but I would not be surprised if Maestro maybe sneaks into its only Oscar win. Um, I would be very happy about that. I wouldn't mind that at all. But I do think Poor Things is just really good. I mean, when I think about Maestro and like the, like you said, the old age makeup and then Oppenheimer's old age makeup, which I'm sorry, that scene with Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt, it's so <laughs> intense. It's so jarring. Like their face, I'm like, whoa, that does not feel realistic at all. <laughs> Killian's bulging red eyes just yes. staring at you. <laughs> Oh, did you know Oppenheimer is uh, Oppenheimer's coming to Peacock February sixteenth? So they're 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 doing a lot la- little last wow. minute. Um, yeah, it only took them eight months to get on streaming. You know why not? I know, literally. I can't imagine that deal that Christopher Nolan had when he was meeting with Universal. Like, hey, so by the way, yeah, fuck you guys and your streaming deals. This is not going to be available for a year. And they're like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, you're good. As long as you don't go back to Warner Brothers, we're good. <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> All right. Um, did we do... We're on production design. All right. Barbie. Yes. Killers of the Flower Moon. Napoleon. Another sneak attack by Napoleon. Oppenheimer and Poor Things. Who do you got? I know I know who you got. You got Barbie. Come on. Barbie's my one. <laughs> I think Oppenheimer's my... Is my will. Or Poor Things. Again, it's the freaking Poor Things Oppenheimer. <laughs> Um, back and forth, but I have Oppenheimer just because that kind of goes along with the rest of my my wills. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. These are this is also a, a really good category where I think of Barbie and I think of their their stage product. Like they were, they filmed in these these um, sound stages, but they created everything so incredible, amazing. And then Killers of the Flower Moon and and Oppenheimer feel similar to me, where they kind of had these towns constructed so that they could make these timepieces and then napoleon yeah. 
you know, it's just large scale. Like Ridley Scott's known for that. Right. But poor things like all of the LED that they, so they had minimal CGI, but all of the LED screens around them all like painted, like all oriented around paint. And wow. they built a lot of different sets. It's beautiful. So I have poor things winning. I have it as my pick. I think it's a beautiful production. Um, yeah, it, it is definitely turning out to be an Oppenheimer poor things race, which I will yeah, keep calling sure. my friends out. They hated this film, but I, I'm telling you, it's brilliant. Um, I think I'm going to like it. I already know. I think I'm going to like it. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. I know. I can't wait to see it. You have to let me know immediately. Good good or bad. You got to tell me either A, it was outrageously good or B, it was outrageously bad and, and tell me your thoughts. Okay. I will. All right. Film editing. We have Anatomy of a Fall. The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Why is The Holdovers on here? That one is a bit interesting. Okay. It is, yeah. My my pick is Oppenheimer for both. Same. This is a three-hour film, and they made it so fast. So fast. Like, this movie just flows. It just flies by. There's not a single bit of fluff in it. Like, it just makes sense. They did such a good job. I, I think that's just, yeah. I don't know, an instant win. All right, last category. Are you sick of this the conversation yet? Are you ready to, to wrap this up? <laughs> All right, we have visual effects. There's a lot of nominations, that's for sure. <laughs> a lot of nominations, a lot of nominations. All right, we have The Creator. We have Godzilla Minus One. We have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And we have Napoleon, maybe the most like diverse group of films in this entire list of nominations. <laughs> um, who do you have? Yep, for sure. Uh, this was hard because I, I don't know. Uh, I said that, well, I have seen a lot about Godzilla minus one and how that people, a lot of people have that as their pick, which is kind of crazy to me. So I said that will win. But I, I had a great time watching Mission Impossible. It was yeah. one of the best things I did this summer. It was such a fun movie experience. And so I I put a one in there because I was like, you know what? That was such a fun movie. And I don't know if it's necessarily the visual effects that made it that experience for me. But, <laughs> you know, it's a factor. So, yeah. <laughs> so when I think of visual effects, I I try to think of just like the amount of like, am I convinced, right? If I'm watching this film, I'm, am I convinced by what I'm seeing or do yes. I notice these like really cheesy moments and I'm like, oh, whoa, like that's just, that just, I, I'm now distracted. And so when I think of Godzilla minus one, I think it will win. I think it might have the worst visual effects out of all of these films, which sucks that that's the right, case. Like it right. sucks that this is getting so much hype because A, I thought it was a, truly a below average film. And I'm trying to be as objective and non-unbiased, but like I really did not enjoy this film as much as everybody else did. And the visual effects are incredibly cheesy. So I think that will win just because of this massive discourse around it. But like when I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a film that is nearly just not filmed practically at all, it feels so practical. Even Napoleon, like there are some moments, but like, I think the creator, that's my personal pick. Like the creator feels so grounded as a sci-fi film and you believe it every step of the way. You believe what's happening with these this AI world that's futuristic. And same thing, I, I had a tough time picking the creator or Guardians, but I would take both of those over Godzilla minus one, but I, that's that's who I think will win. 
I can't wait to watch The Creator. I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Um, I did put, I tallied this up just so you know, as we're wrapping this up. On the Oscar picks, like for my own, I had eight for Oppenheimer. So eight wins for Oppenheimer, three for Poor Things, and two for The Zone of Interest. On my pick, I had Oppenheimer with eight and Poor Things with five. So those are like, obviously, I think this is the Oppenheimer Poor Things race. Um, no love for Maestro, no love for the holdovers. That might be a surprising one because that got a lot of hype, but I just don't think it competes. I don't think it competes. Anything else in regards to the nominations? I feel like I just, poor things. What an achievement because I feel like Yorgos Lanthimos is known as, or at least before this film, kind of just an alternative. Like he, he makes some weird films. That's for sure. Like, the favorite, this is the like he just makes some it's weird movies. He, yes, oh for sure. But the fact that this, but he just, I just love. He took such a risk and took just went full force into his weirdness, and it really paid off. Because look what it's competing against. Like Oppenheimer is one. Oppenheimer is obviously an insane achievement artistically, but also like commercially. Whereas Poor Things, I think less is is less commercially, you know, viable. Yeah, I guess I agree. Um. So I think that's that's awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about all the snubs and everything. So that's that's all my thoughts. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we missed anything, if we didn't talk about anybody. I mean, good on Justin Trier and Anatomy of a Fall. I think they might make a splash in some categories. Still kind of bummed that France didn't submit them because I think they would have had a real shot. I hope that we see Society of the Snow just break through instead of the zone of interest because I think that would be... Just like a crowd pleaser. Like, I think that's what people would yeah, rather totally. want than zone of interest. And I don't know. I think the Oscars can shape up to be very interesting or it can shape up to be very boring. Like, this could just be an yes. Oppenheimer poor things race. Or it could we be. could get it could be. Ryan Gosling singing I'm Just Ken. And we could get, you know, a little bit of spice flow going through this. Um, but yeah, I think we summed it up pretty well. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch some of these and see if my opinion changes before the Oscars. Like, see if I need Me to too. change any of these picks. But <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, you might watch four things and say, yeah, no, uh, uh-uh. that's that's we're taking it off completely. Or you might, you might, you know, substitute it in for some of the other picks that you had. So I definitely might for sure. I do have a movie recommendation. Do you have a movie recommendation? Not off the top of my head. You go first. <laughs> okay. All right. Deal. Um, I watched this this past week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This was not my first time, but I will say I the last time I saw it was probably 2020, maybe. And spending, you know, three, now four years almost in a world just fully invested in film and fully invested in like cinema and how it works and then like trying to understand Hollywood a little bit better. This film just ages well for like the cinephile. Like if you love movies, this it's movie is awesome. so good. It is it's so, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> like probably the most desirable depiction of Los Angeles. I watched it recently too. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, Brett, like in my opinion, the best Brad Pitt performance. He's. I was watching this with my friends, and we kept looking at each other with every Brad Pitt sequence, and we we're like, he's the fucking man. Like. He is the definition of movie star, in my opinion. Brad Pitt is a movie star. Like, if you want somebody, not the best actor, not like, you know, critically acclaimed all the time, but when you just want a movie star, he's the guy. He is, 
And the ending is outrageously funny, a great alternative to true events. One of Quentin Tarantino's best films that's kind of held under the radar. Like, I don't hear people talking about this when they talk about Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I have a movie rack. I, I love that movie. I also watched it recently, so. Um, okay, so mine, well, if you haven't seen Past Lives, watch it if you, if you haven't seen it. That is obviously number one. But um, I just watched Good Grief, which is on Netflix. It's a film by um, Dan Levy, who, if you don't know him, he's a, uh, was the creator of Schitt's Creek and the lead actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is on Netflix. Um, and you, yes. Yes. Okay. And it's, I don't know, I thought, it's not the best movie ever. I think I gave it like a three out of five, but I just thought it was a really interesting take and like kind of, it was a funny movie, but it was also definitely, you know, painful to watch on grief and just like the process of, um, of dealing with, the after effects of someone close to you passing away and the 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 conflicting feelings that comes along with that like it's not all sad there's like some just like you know basically the plot is that um his partner dies and he finds out some information after the fact that is like a little compromising so it's it's you know it's it's kind of a romantic drama i guess but it's it's quite funny i mean it's um it's a sweet film like it's a sweet film it wouldn't be in you know any oscar categories but i i do think it was a sweet film and he wrote it and directed it and it was his first film and i thought it was great great first film so yeah oh yeah i that i strongly considered so it's on my like i i don't know if you ever make lists on netflix like i do like i add things to my own list which let me just say this to netflix First time in my life I've ever created my own account on Netflix and like separated accounts for like Kenzie or friends or myself. Yeah. And best decision yeah. I've ever made. Like they know their algorithm. When I watch film, I have now like 10 films You've added to my watch that. list. I have never done it ever. I've always just used like a general account that I just like oh go through God. and I look at their top 10 movies. And now I'm like, I-, I watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which that has been on my list for so long. And now they've recommended Classic. Chinatown, which I want to watch that one now with Jack Nicholson. So it's providing like these these acclaimed 70s and 80s cinema to me. And I'm like, yes, feed it to my soul. It's so funny that you say that because on literally every one of my family's like um, streaming services, it's just one account and then it's me. Like I'm the only separate person. <laughs> you have Everyone to. else uses like the general one. And then I'm like, no, I have my own category. At this rate, Leah has a password associated with hers because she's like, it's my algorithm. I don't want you to fuck it up. Don't don't just watch, you know, Elemental and mess up my algorithm. Like, I don't I don't need that in my life. Um, Leah, thank you. Thank you for joining a, a very long, but honestly, one of my more favorable conversations. I think these are so fun to go through and figure out what do we think is going to win and what do we want to win? But thank you for jumping back on. This has been great. Of course. Thanks for having me again. And I feel like there's a lot of, you know, talk about as the Oscars, like, do they really matter anymore? Like, do they have much weight in terms of the industry? And I think it obviously still creates so much discourse and just what we've seen the past few days with the nominations coming out and how people, how much people, even though they say they don't care, they do really care. And it still makes an impact on, you know, what movies are being made in general. And 
yeah so that was a great conversation thanks for having me <laughs> yeah of course i believe the oscars are on march 10th do you know yes, if that's Sunday, correct march 10th. okay sunday march 10th um i'm also going to be hosting a watch party i'm debating if i want to like pop up my thing and go live like just so like there's like live reactions but then again i'm like i don't know if i want to video myself for two hours you know yeah. or three hours <laughs> or four hours depending on how long it takes but if you stuck with us for our three hour four hour show thank you i appreciate it we uh we delved through so much there are so many movies to watch so many options now so if you didn't know what to get to I will say we've listed out and we were pretty candid about what we believe are top films and what you should watch if you haven't seen them. But I think you can make cinema and film and your passion about movies so much more enjoyable when you just purposely put attention to it. Like if you loosely watch a movie and you just watch it and then you're like, oh, that was two hours of my life. Great. That could be considered a waste of time. But if you watch a film, you analyze it, you think about it, you talk about it with friends you even review it or you make a list about it, whatever you need to do, it makes it so fun. So thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for Leah, you know, for bringing your charisma, for coming on the show. This is always so fun. So until next time on our next conversation, enjoy the week, enjoy the weekend, be kind to each other. Peace. Peace.